Today I want to talk to you about the fallen fighter, the fallen fighter. And we're going to look at an ultimate fighter who blew it big time. He was a fallen fighter. And you know what I love about the Bible? Is the Bible gives us the raw reality of people's lives. And one of the reasons that you know that the Bible is true, and not only because of the prophecies and it's God's Word and uh, how accurate it is uh, throughout history, but one of the ways that, man, you just know the Bible is real and the Bible is true is because if it was a fairy tale, it would just make all of the Bible characters, their life would just be awesome. They wouldn't have any problems. It would just be great. But that's not the Bible. I mean, the Bible gives you the good and the bad about men and women of God. The Bible gives you people's successes and it also gives you their failures. It gives you the raw reality of people's lives. And today, the man of God that I want to look at who was a fallen fighter, his name is Abraham. And he blew it big time. Let me share the story with you. God had spoke to Abraham and Sarah in, in the book of Genesis chapter number 12. And he tells them that they're going to become a great nation through them. They're going to have this promised child. And God's going to bless all nations through them and this child. And God says, leave your people, leave your home, leave your country. And Abraham and Sarah left in Genesis chapter 12. They had no clue where they were going. They were just following the Lord. Fast forward 10 years later, and there was still no child. Sarah's womb was barren. They were getting up in age, getting old. And, you know, I think all of us have been here before where we felt like God has said something to us and it's not happening, so we take matters into our own hands. And they're going to try to help God out now. And, Lord, we're going to help you out because you're not doing anything. You're not moving fast enough. We're not seeing any results. I mean, God, I mean, maybe God's not going to come through. Maybe God forgot. Maybe he's not powerful enough to do what he said he would do. So let's help God out. And that's exactly what they did. And so Sarah comes to Abraham after 10 years and says, Abraham, here's what I think we ought to do. I want you to take this maid servant. I want you to make her your wife as well. Now I want you to sleep with her and have a baby. Now, man, if your wife comes to you and asks you to do that, how many know what the answer should be? I mean, no. And I don't know, Abraham had a bad day that day, I guess. And the old boy said, okay, baby, I'll do what you want me to do. And in that day, in that culture, it was culturally acceptable to have more than one wife in that culture. And in that culture, in that tradition, the, 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 the woman who was the first wife, if she could not have a baby, she would take one of the uh, servants who, who became the, 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 the wife of her husband, and that baby that was born to her would actually become the first wife's baby to raise. And that's what Sarah was trying to do. But understand something, just because something was culturally acceptable doesn't mean that it's acceptable in the sight of God. There are things that we do today in our culture that people call it culturally acceptable, but just because it's culturally acceptable doesn't mean God puts his stamp of, of approval on it. And so Abraham made a huge mistake, took this lady as wife, got her pregnant. He blew it big time. He failed miserably and paid a high price for it. And the question that I want us to deal with today is how do we respond to failure? How can an ultimate fighter overcome failure? We've all experienced it. I've experienced it. You exper you've experienced it. How do we overcome failure and be the ultimate fighter God wants us to be? Let's look at that today. Point number one, you can follow along with me in your bulletin notes there and fill in the blanks. Point one is this. Don't be a passive leader. 
Don't be a passive leader. When you fail, when you make the mistake, when you blow it, don't be a passive leader. Check this out. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 6. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, Abraham and Sarah were called Sarai and Abram before the Lord changed their name. It says, Had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maid servant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Passive. Passive leadership. Verse 3, so after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servants in your arms, and now that she is, now that she knows she is pregnant, she, she despises me. Friends, can I tell you? This is drama. What? That's what I call drama right here. Dramafied. Okay, now check it out. Abraham and Sarah can't have a baby. So Sarah tells Abraham to marry Hagar, a servant. He does. He gets her pregnant. Now Hagar, she didn't want to have no baby. And she knew the culture. She knew if I have this baby, I'm not going to get to raise it. So now she's mad at Sarah. Here I am pregnant with your husband's child, and I'm not even going to raise this baby. You're going, and now she's mad at, at Sarah. And now Sarah's upset because Hagar's mad at her. So now she's mad at Abraham. And she goes, says, Abraham, I mean, this is dry now. This is better than Jerry Springer, folks. That's why I tell you to read your Bible. It's good. I mean, you don't got to watch Dr. Phil, Oprah, so soap operas as my world turns. You don't have to watch that. Read the Bible. Better than Desperate Housewives, man. Where you think they come up with this stuff? It's in the Bible. This is drama. Now, now check it out. Check it out. I mean, check, listen to this drama. It goes on to say in verse number five, may the Lord judge between you and me. Verse six says this, your servant is in your hands. Abram said, do with her. Whatever you think best. Passive leadership. Passive. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. Friends, Abraham was being a passive leader. Friends, the problem, the failure started because he was passive. You see, Abraham, he knew what God said. He knew God said that through Abraham and Sarah, they were going to have a child and they were going to become a great nation. He knew what the Lord said. And when Sarah came and said, hey, Abraham, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what he's up to. Why don't you just sleep with Hagar and we'll build a family through her. Abraham knew what God said. And instead of being the leader, God called him to be and said, you know what? Why don't we just go follow God? Why don't we just stay true to what God told us to do? No, he was passive. He said, well, sure, baby. I mean, I guess he looks all right anyways. All right. And he was passive. And the failure began because of passive leadership. And not only did it begin with passive leadership, it got worse because of passive leadership. 
And the Bible says after Hagar was pregnant, she was mad at Sarah. She despised Sarah because she's pregnant because of what Sarah wanted to do. And the Bible says this, that, that, that Sarah now is upset with Abraham. And she comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, this is all your fault anyways. You slept with the woman. You got her pregnant. And now she's mad at me. She's upset with me. And I don't know what to do. You need to do something about this, Abraham. What are you going to do? You know what Abraham says? She's in your hands. Do whatever you want to do. Passive leadership. He does nothing. He has no remedy. He doesn't step up and provide any type of leadership. And you know what happens when the ultimate fighter is passive? Things never get resolved. When the ultimate fighter is passive, things always get worse instead of getting better. You know what the Bible says when Abraham was passive, when Abraham did nothing? He says, just do with her whatever you want. The Bible says that Sarah began to mistreat Hagar. She began to abuse her. The situation got worse and worse and worse because there was passive leadership and Abraham did nothing. And men, can I tell you that God has called you to be a leader? Ephesians chapter number five makes it very clear that you are called to be a leader, an ultimate fighter. And you know the first place that God's called us to lead is in our homes. What good is it to lead at the job and lead in the career and lead at the business, lead in the community, lead on to council or some, some club, some group, and not provide leadership in your own home? And Abraham, though a great man of God in a season of his life, provided no leadership in his home. And maybe you're there today and you're being a passive leader. Listen, God has called you to lead, to be an ultimate fighter. Maybe, sir, for you, you failed. And here you are today, and your family's not serving the Lord. And you realize you provided no leadership. You, you've been leading the way. You've been living a, a wild life. You've been doing your own thing. And your kids, your family, they've just followed your leadership. And, and, and now your family's doing their own thing. And you're at a point today, and you listen to me. You have to say, you know what? I'm not going to be a passive leader. For, to, from this day forward, I'm going to say for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to do my best to point my family towards Jesus Christ and to honor him. I'm going to change some things in my lifestyle to honor the Lord that my, my, that my family can see me being a man after God's own heart. I'm not going to be a passive leader because when you're a passive leader, things only get worse. Maybe your family's been out of church for a long period of time. Maybe your wife brings the kids to church and you come every once in a while and and you say, you know what, Herbert, from this day forward, I'm I'm going to not I'm not going to be a passive leader. Listen, our, our wives shouldn't have to pour cold water on us on Sunday morning to get up and go to church. God's called us to be a, a leader. And and you need to stand up and say, you know what, I'm gonna lead. I mean, come on, Sunday morning, set the clock for six AM in the morning and get up and start singing, This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, I'm going to lead my family spiritually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my family. They're not going to drag me to church. I'm not going to just show up at Christmas or just Easter. But, but I want to be a man after God's own. I want to be the leader God's called me to be. And you say, I'm going to take my family to church. I want my kids to honor the Lord. I want to lead the way in this. Don't be a passive leader. Things only get, get worse. Maybe you haven't been involved in your kid's life. Maybe you haven't been involved, been to ball games, let them know how much you love them. Maybe you haven't invested in your kid's life. And maybe you're thinking, it's too late. My kid's a teenager. My kid's out the house. It's too late for me to invest in their life. Listen, sir, it's never too late. Don't, don't be a passive leader. 
I'm not telling you it's going to change overnight, but you need to be a, a, an aggressive leader, an ultimate father that says, I'm going to do what I can to have a relationship with my kid, to get healing in this relationship, to, to invest in my kid. Maybe your kids are still little. Maybe they're still in high school. Get involved. Maybe you hadn't been to a ball game in years. You've been so busy, caught up in life. Get involved in their life. Don't be a passive leader because things only get worse and they never get better. Maybe it's in your marriage and you're going through a rocky period and there's unforgiveness and there's tension and there's bitterness and there's issues in the home. Don't be passive. Don't be like Abraham. Well, you know, hopefully it just goes away. Well, it's her fault anyways. And just pretend like the problem. No, be, be, be the ultimate father God's called you to be. You take the initiative. You go apologize. Well, it's her fault anyways. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You take the initiative. You be the leader. God's called you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. This past Saturday, not, uh, a week ago Saturday, my wife and I, and I, I taught you this principle a little while ago. So let me, if you weren't here, let me re-teach you this principle. In, in a pastor's home, we don't argue. We have intense moments of fellowship. And last Saturday, we had an intense moment of fellowship in the Cooper house. And I always get my wife's permission to share these kind of stories, but we did. We had an intense moment of, of fellowship, uh, disagreement, and 10, 15 minutes into it, we put the kids down for, for naps. And you know what I did? I went to my wife and I said, Tiffany, I'm sorry. This is all your fault and I'm sorry. I, I'm just playing. I, I did not say that. I did not do that. But I did. I took the initiative. And I went, and most of it was my fault anyways, the way that I responded. And that's when I apologized. We spent some time talking things through. And then later that night when the kids were in bed, I went back, and I took the initiative, and I sat on the bed, and we just sat there and talked. And, and I just knew that's my role. It's, I'm going to have peace in my home. And I'm not going to go to bed angry and with the sun going down on our anger. And God's called me not to be a passive leader to be a leader that loves my wife like Christ loves the church and to keep peace in our home. Don't be a passive leader. Things only get worse and they never get better. And Sarah began to mistreat Hagar. Point number two. There's a, a second thing that I want you to notice. When we fall, when we mess up, when we make a huge mistake, number two is this. Make the tough decision. Make the tough decision. The word of God says in Genesis chapter 21 and verse number 9, But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking, was making fun of. Verse 10, And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. <clears throat> verse, verse number 11 says, The matter distressed Abraham greatly. Notice that. It distressed him greatly. It bothered him. It was of deep concern to him because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maid servant. I want you to notice that God didn't call Hagar his wife. He called her his maid servant because just because something is culturally acceptable doesn't mean God puts his stamp of, stamp of approval on it. It goes on to say, listen to whatever Sarah tells you, Abraham, because it is through our Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Men, can I tell you that sometimes your wife is the voice of God to you? Come on, women, you ought to say amen right there. Listen to me, boy. 
We'll get in all the I tell folks sometimes it's kind of like this in our home. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Tiffany Cooper. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says, listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Verse 13, I will make the son of the maidservant into a great a nation also because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water. Now he wants to provide. He has to send them on and he wants to be a provider. He took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on, on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. Wow. Abraham had to make a difficult decision to send Ishmael away. He made a mistake. Married this lady, got her pregnant, had a child. He made a huge mistake. Can you imagine what Abraham was feeling and thinking? Can you imagine? This is my boy. This is my my boy. I've watched him grow up. I have a bond with this boy. I had dreams of seeing this boy get married one day. I had dreams of seeing my grandkids with this boy. And now God's telling me to send him away. And Abraham was willing to make the tough decision because whenever an ultimate fighter fails, there's always a tough decision that has to be made. And men, when you and I make a failure, when we mess up, we have to be just like Abraham, willing to make the tough decision. Sir, you got her pregnant. I know she's your girlfriend. And I know you broke off the relationship. You got her pregnant. Take care of the child. Make the tough decision. Quit trying to get out of child support. Make the tough decision. Do the right thing. Sir, you've been living with her for a while. You're, you're living together. Marry her. Put a ring on her finger. Quit playing with her emotions. Quit playing games. Quit putting it off and make the tough decision. I, I knew you wouldn't shout today. Amen. I knew. Yeah, I knew when I was preparing this, y'all would be quiet. Woo! Pastor with a meddling today. Woo! Be a man. Be the man God's called you to be. If you're not going to marry her, move out. Do the right thing. Be the man God's called you to be. Sir, you're married and you're having an affair. Whether emotional or physical. Sir, make the tough decision. Cut it off. Well, we love each other. Well, there's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hey, God, it doesn't matter. That this, you, this is my wife. This is who God's given me. Make the tough decision. You're addicted to drugs, alcohol. You're addicted to pornography. You're addicted to pills. Make the tough decision. Get some help. Get in rehab. Get yourself set free that you can be the ultimate fighter that God has called you to be. Maybe it's your finances. They're upside down. They're all over the place. And you, you're, you're just messed up financially. And you made some bad decisions. Make the tough decision. Start climbing your way out of debt. Start doing the right thing. Make the tough decision. Maybe for some men in this place that your wife has, has led the family for years now because you've been passive. You, like Abraham, just, just do whatever, you know, and I'm just going to do my own thing. And you haven't been there for your wife. You haven't been there for your kids. And the tough decision for you is to go 
have a conversation with your wife and say, honey, I want to be who God's called me to be, and I, and I want to lead our family. And she's probably going to look at you like you're crazy. Well, I don't know what you've been doing the last 10 years anyways. And, but can I tell you, you need to have that conversation. And it may, not, may be difficult, and it may not be easy. And ladies, I understand. It's, it's hard to trust. He's blown. He's messed up. But little by little, you can try to trust him again and build that trust and let him be the leader and love you like Christ loved the church. Make the tough decision. And Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away because an ultimate fighter, when he fails, has to make the tough decision. Point number three. There's a third thing. Just look at your neighbor today and say, this is not for me, but I'm glad you're here. You're supposed to be here to hear this today. Go ahead and tell them that. That's right. This is not for me, but you needed to be here. I'm glad you didn't sleep in today. Point number three. There's a, a third thing that I want you to see when an ultimate fighter fails. Number three is this. Remember, God hasn't given up on you. God hasn't given up on you. When you fail, when you mess up your life, when you hurt those you love the most, when you let down those who are closest to you, even when you've disappointed your heavenly father. You know what we can feel like? We feel like life's not even worth going on. We feel like I've blown it so bad, God can never, ever forgive me. He's given up. He has to have given up on me. I mean, how many of you would be honest and say, you know, I've done something in the past. I've messed up in an area of my life, and I felt like this. I had thoughts like this, that God's given up on me. Anybody besides me ever felt like that before? I mean, you just feel like, man, I've messed it up big time, big time. And here's what I want you to hear today. Some of you, maybe it's really fresh. Maybe you failed, and it hasn't been very long ago. Here's what I want you to know. God hasn't given up on you. God is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. God is a God of a second chance, of a third chance, of a fourth chance, of a tenth chance, of a twentieth chance. God has not given up on you. God is a gracious God. And friends, can I tell you, none of us deserve His grace. None of us deserve His blessings. None of us deserve His goodness. None of us deserve His favor. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would all be under a curse today. Our lives would all be in shambles, but for the grace of God. And God was gracious to Abraham. Notice God's grace to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. It says, Abraham will surely, I like how God says that, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. Will Are you talking about the Abraham that took that woman as his wife? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I extended grace. Are you talking about the Abraham that got that woman pregnant? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am extending grace to Abraham and my plan is still going to prevail. He will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him for I have chosen him. Everybody shout chosen him. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. I have chosen him and because he's mine and I've chosen him, I haven't given up on him. Here's the real question I have to ask you. Has God chosen you? Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Do you belong to God? You see, here's the, here's the error that we have in, in our theology. We think we chose God. We didn't choose God. God chose us. God's the one that implemented the salvation plan and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and rose again on the third day. Well, you see, after Jesus did that, I had to give my heart to him. Well, that's true, but it's not the whole truth. The whole truth is this. The Holy Spirit drew you. 
He sought after you. God searched after you. He was drawing you in the when you were in the pit. He was drawing you when you were on drugs. He was drawing you when you were in the fair. He was drawing you when you were far. He drew you. God chose you. You did not choose him. I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. He is chosen. God extended grace to Abraham. Listen, fallen ultimate fighter to what the scripture says to you in first Peter chapter five and verse number 10. It says, and the God of all grace, everybody shout all grace. Mm, I like that. All grace. Herbert, you don't know how bad I've blown it. He's the God of all grace. You don't know how bad it is. He's the God of all grace. Herbert, there's no way God can help me out of this. He's the God of all. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's the God of all grace. Notice this. Who called you? Are you his? Are you his child? Is he your God? Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while? Because when you fail, you will suffer. There are consequences. After you suffer a little while, will himself restore you? I like that he's a restoring God will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You say, Herbert, how do I've blown it so much? I felt miserably. How could God restore me? How in the world could God make me strong? How could God make me firm again? How can God make me steadfast again? There's no way, Herbert, I've blown it so much. I'll tell you how. The beginning of that verse, he's a God of all grace. And because of that, he'll restore you. He'll make you steadfast. He'll make you strong. He'll make you firm again. The scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that in all things, everybody shout all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called, called. I belong to God. I've been chosen. I've been called according to his purpose. You see, we, we can get, think, think and understand that when we've done something good, God, God can work it for our good. We can even understand when something bad happens to us and it's not our fault, God can turn it for our good. But the scripture says in all things, even when we failed and we've blown it, God can turn it for our good. And that's not an excuse to sin. <laughs> that's not giving your license to go do what you want to do because if you do, you'll pay a consequence for it. You'll pay the price for it. But there's hope. If you've blown it, if you failed, God can even take your failure. And if you love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, he can turn it for your good. Here's what I want you to know. God has not given up on you. He's a God of all grace. Point number four. I'm closing with this last point. Number four is this. The dream can still come true. The dream can still come true. Notice Genesis chapter 21 and verse number one. It says, now the Lord was gracious. Everybody shout gracious. That's the key. That's the key. God was gracious to Abraham. God was gracious to Sarah. If it wasn't for the grace of God, the promise would have never come to pass. But the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when when his son Isaac was born to him. God spoke to Abraham at 75 about the promise and the promise didn't come to pass until he was a hundred years old. Hear me today. A failure may cause the dream to be delayed, but it doesn't mean the dream will be denied. There's no doubt that some of the delay was because of their own failure. See, 10 years into it, waiting on God, they blew it. Said with Hagar, had Ishmael, 
And it was 15 years later before the promise ever came to pass. But can I tell you the good news? The dream can still come to pass. Verse 6, I love this response. Verse 6, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Come on, God's going to bring that dream to pass, and you can't do anything but laugh about it and say, wow, the Lord's been good. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Come on, someone will laugh at you because they can't believe it. Amen. Verse number 7, and she added, notice what she says, and she added, who would have said? Who would ever thought? I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old woman. It's my husband, 100 years old. We have failed. We have had an Ishmael. My husband slept with Hagar. I mean, we have blown. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> After all of that mess and all of that drama, who would have ever said, Abraham and Sarah, that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the dream came to pass. Hear me today, sir. Hear me today, ma'am. You failed. You messed up. The dream can still come true. You know what I love about Abraham and Sarah? 15 years after the Hagar and Ishmael incident, they're still married. A lot of marriage wouldn't have survived that kind of stuff. But they're still married. And they're still serving the Lord together. And they're still rejoicing in the Lord. And they have a promised child together. And their marriage stayed. And they stayed strong. And they made it through a difficult time. Dreams can still come true. Your marriage can still make it through all of the adversity and the trauma and the disappointment. You're, listen, God can restore. Maybe it's your second marriage. Maybe you're on your third marriage. Listen, listen, listen. God can make that marriage whole and bring honor and glory to His name. Maybe it's with your kids. You have this dream and, and you've blown it and you failed and you haven't been there. And, and listen, 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 listen. You start taking the steps and trusting God. And the dream can come to pass. And you can have a relationship with your kids. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but God can do it. You know what I love about Abraham and Sarah? I don't have time to unpack this and teach this, but Abraham, you know what Abraham did after he blew it, after he messed up? He didn't run away from God. He ran to God. And the Bible says over and over in that story, it says God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham was still listening for the voice of God. And some of you, you have blown it and messed up. Don't you dare run from God. You run to God and let God bring the dream. The past. Come on, close your eyes real quick.